0: Welcome back to the Scare Stiff Podcast. This is your host, Mike, and here's my co-host, Scott. How you doing today, my friend? Uh. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. No, I was <clears throat> fucking looking at my vein popping out of my forehead, and I wish I could just pluck it out. I hate it.
0: <laughs> I think that would cause some internal bleeding.
1: Yeah, but in the long run, I'd look cuter. <laughs> Today's film is Nosferatu. This is the film that I wanted Mike to watch because he hasn't seen it yet. And it's kind of tougher for some people to sit down and say, I'm going to watch a silent film, especially one as loud as this one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the music's really loud.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen it a million times. I just love Nosferatu because people talk about adaptating things, and Nosferatu was one of the first adaptations in the medium of film. And the things that they make different from it are really cool and make it stick out. And it sticks out so much that the idea of Nosferatu is built past Dracula now. Who else can say they've done that? There's a sequel. Well, okay, I'm sorry. There's a remake to Nosferatu in 1979. And then there's a film, Shadow of the Vampire, which is about the making of Nosferatu. The idea of this film is so interesting and unique. That it spawned more so off of it, even though it's just a fucking Dracula ripoff. That's that's pretty different, especially in a franchise built in horror.
0: This is a this is a fascinating movie in the way that it came about because you know obviously they wanted to make an actual Dracula film and they they couldn't get the estate to sign off on it, so they yeah, basically specifically the movie. widow
1: wouldn't do it. The widow would yeah, they, they,
0: so they just went off and did their own film you know basically taking home the homework and changing a few things and then bringing it back to the teacher um
1: there's something cool about that though because they did that this is why the idea of sunlight killing vampires exists because in the original ending he doesn't get killed by sunlight and they changed it to do that which is the big departure from the book is that you know we have to at least change the ending if we're not gonna we don't wanna get fucking sued so that's the only reason in lore that Dracula or vampires can be killed by sunlight is a lawsuit. <laughs> and it's cool to think about how the first depiction of, like, Dracula... It was,
0: was for Dracula. Not,
1: not for sure true because there's other historical things that say another one came out before, but it hasn't been proven or we haven't seen anything since in, in years to prove that something has come before. But, you know... Nosferatu depicted sunlight to be lethal for vampires and that's pretty crazy that it spawned just the fact that like hey she's gonna fucking whammy us with this big old suit and I don't want to get that I'm not Mr. Lawsuit over here I don't want to get fucked over
0: yeah. did you um did you actually watch the making of documentary that came with no, the blu-ray I didn't have time it was so fucking dark by the time I watched the movie yeah I didn't watch it either I watched the first like 10 minutes of it it's fascinating stuff I just didn't have the time to watch it all the entire so we watched the Kino
1: version Which, if you're gonna watch a release, I definitely say get it. I mean, most of the time you're gonna be watching this film, you're barely gonna be able to pick up on any facial features. But the Kino version, you'd be surprised it was made in 1922. I was genuinely stunned when I put that on. I was like, there's, there's no fucking way they made it look this good. I'm shocked.
0: The only way it's totally, it's totally noticeable that it's from the 20s is because of the way that the film is kind of, I don't know if I would say edited, but it's very. Jumpy at times, yeah, and that's yeah. just that's just a hallmark of the time, and also uh, the color grading, very very obvious. That's because they thing. use color to showcase time of day. That's from the, the Kino release, though. Yeah,
1: that isn't initially in the film, with the the color changes the time of day. Like, if you're gonna watch most of the bootleg or just public domain Nosferatu's, they don't have like blue for for night or like yellow for day. They put that in the Kino one to make it easier to see what's happening in the film. And that was the big departure for me. Because when I've seen the film, I've seen it entirely in black and white. So having color in it was jarring for me. It does make things flow better. And it makes colors pop out a little bit more visibly. But that is the big difference in the Kino versus most versions.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely helpful. I can't, I can't imagine watching this fully in black and white. And then having to figure out what time of day it is for some of these shots cuz yeah. obviously there's no there's no night photography. You know, night photography is a surprisingly new thing. Um at least at least consistently uh, cuz a lot of, a lot of movies use day for night um and just color grade it to change it. But um it, I feel like it'd be really tough because everything's going to look like daylight and they're really trying to showcase that, oh, this is nighttime. You know, there's there's things that do tip you off, like some of the cards tell you, oh, it's past midnight.
1: That's kind of what I would say but, in general is that, like, you have to pick on the story and pay attention to notice what's happening and, and what yeah. time of day it is. Is that just the way they, they talk about it? Or if you know the story of Dracula, you would know this happens during this time of day or whatever. Yeah. Like, if if you see Nosferatu outside, it's like, well, it's fucking sure as hell not daylight out, I hope.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about silent film, which I think is something that we touched upon in the previous outtake, is that um, because it's a silent film and they can't use dialogue for exposition, it is basically visual storytelling distilled down to its basic... Formula aside from a couple of you know, like they'll put like ty- like a like a couple dialogue cards in, but most of it, the story, the action, all takes place without any voices, and <clears throat> it's just scored. And I, I love that about it. It's, it's something that, in in my perspective, is a very challenging thing to do as a story t- storyteller to tell your story completely visually rather than with dialogue. Especially nowadays, when a lot of movies uh, rely on dialogue as a crutch from something that's more interesting and more, it, it, it holds the, the, um, the audience's hand a lot less, which is visual storytelling. And this is one of the most beautiful movies I think I've ever seen in my life. Just the quality, cinematography, the lighting, everything, it's just, it's so cool.
1: I think it's unique to say too, because it came out in 1922 when everyone talks about the German Expressionist era. And you'd think that there's a lot of expressionism in this film, but it purely only happens during nighttime sequences or sequences featuring Nosferatu everything else is just depicted completely normal and uh, I'd say also a lot of the architecture like they use a lot of arches in the film especially to display like the height of Nosferatu Count uh, Warlock and that is kind of the biggest thing to show like the depiction of just power and how imposing he really is like some of the shots like obviously the famous one where he's coming up the stairs with the claw you know, you know it's coming, but they, like, to really understand how a film in 1922 grasps this together, it's astounding.
0: That, that, such, movies from 1922, and that shot still rips. It's just, it's such a, it's such a uh, amazing, powerful shot of just pure elegance. It's such a great looking shot. It's, there's a reason why it's something that is ingrained in pop culture even if someone hasn't seen nosferatu they know that silhouette um they'll always know that silhouette because it's done you know over and over again an homage to death hell fucking jurassic world Fallen kingdom homage is it it's super super ingrained in pop culture despite the fact that you know a lot of people you could probably talk to today probably haven't seen this movie um silent film has a barrier for entry for a lot of people because, again, they're not not—they're used to stories being told a specific way. This isn't told like a, a normal film. And I think that that's to its strength because it, it does rely on those visuals much more often.
1: I'd also say that it's not like most films for the fact that it does take probably multiple watches to really understand or really grasp just how impressive it really is. Because yeah. the first time, you're trying to pick up on things, but you're more just so like taken back by the way the storytelling is done. You're like, okay, I'm trying to follow this. This is different. Okay, cool. All right, well, it's, I have to pick up on all the visual cues going on here because there's no, there's no dialogue given to me. All right, so the first time you watch the film, it's almost like, all right, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. But the second time is when you can really analyze it. You would say that for most films...
0: Most films, movies,
1: yeah. most films you'd say the first time you, you have a good time with it or the second time you analyze it but with silent film the first time isn't just like having a good time it's understanding it it's getting used to it that's very different for films nowadays where it's like if I watch fucking Dracula or even like Frankenstein I don't have to get used to it as much as like okay stylistically things are different this is the time period it's in cool it's pretty easy to put yourself in a mindset of like I know all films are done in this time period. I can adjust fairly quickly, you know, based on this film, this yeah. film, this film. Cool. All right, let's go. And then you try to think about what's going on. But with silent film, there's no there's no fucking easy way to get into it. This isn't like, all right, this happens for five minutes and I'm used to it. It's like, this is the entire film. There's a lot to get used to. and There's a lot to kind of like sit down and like really comprehend what's happening and and how film is done differently and like you said it is all visual and that's not only is it all visual but the music like the score in the background plays a lot more weight to the visual because it has to tell the visual if it doesn't if it doesn't coincide together your film is destroyed and that's why another problem with these films being public domain is that a lot of times they change the score or Mm -hmm. they edit things out and then things don't flow perfectly. That's why if you're going to watch a film like Nosferatu, Phantom of the Opera, or Caligari, I'd have to say you should probably get the Kino release. Or like Man Who Laughs, I believe is Warner Brothers and they have an archives for that. You want to get the best quality you can get on that because not only can you see things and it looks visually stunning for an old film, but... You're gonna get the best way to comprehend what you're trying to digest.
0: I mean, Kino, This is my first Kino Blu-ray, and I'll tell you what—I'm definitely gonna buy some more. Yeah, um, they're very high quality, and you know they come with some really good special features. The visuals on this, I was just surprised by. I was really impressed by it. Um, they have a release of uh, Doctor uh, Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, which was the first silent horror film I've seen. Probably gonna buy that because that movie is fantastic, and if this is anything to judge by it kino's got some amazing releases so um yeah i want to talk i want to i want to jump into the um the cast of the movie but i mean we're we're, we're gonna land specifically on a max track um because he is he's not the star of the movie but he is the reason that we came to watch it i'd say um you accumulate the runtime. i think he has nine minutes on screen yeah, he, he, like I said, he's not the star of the movie, but he is. He leaves an undelible impression from the first moment you see him on screen. I'll tell you what, I was watching this, and I, t- I, spent, I remember sending you a text. I don't know what time it was at, but I know exactly the moment that it was at in the movie. And I texted you, damn, bro, Nosferatu's spooky. <laughs> um, and it was the scene where, um, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name, Jonathan Harker. Hutter. Uh,
1: they call him Hutter in the film.
0: Yeah, Hutter... Pokes his head out of his out of his door and fucking Nosferatu's standing at the very far end of the hallway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just it's just looking at him and lingering. And I'm like, that is fucking creepy, my guy. And he's just you know he just fucking floats up to the fucking door, saunters his ass in. I'm like, this is just spooky. That's really fucking creepy. Um, it had me actually like uncomfortable watching it, and I was very impressed by that. But yeah, Shrek that. himself, like, he's just so wonderfully expressive and otherworldly in his performance it just it, it's very convincing for the time especially and also with the makeup the makeup's really impressive yeah the they, well. they use
1: it on a lot of people too like they really make them look as deranged as they possibly can yeah. Like the renfield stand-in looks like an absolute batshit fucking 15 out of 10 version of danny devito like <laughs> He's just off the walls with his hair on his eyebrows being shot out like he's crazy.
0: I'm ninety nine percent sure that the character who's like the um the doctor or the, the scientist Dude, in Nelson? this. Yeah, he's uh he's in cabinet Dr. Caligari.
1: as, as Dr. Caligari? Yeah. I think mean, it's him. I didn't look into it. He looked so I looked into du- stuff about Nosferatu, but not the cats
0: personally. Yeah, you blew me you blew me away with that fucking Conrad Veit. Yeah, dude, that yeah. fucking floored me, it's, it's, if you want to tell people what the, uh, that story uh, who may not know it.
1: Yeah, because in Dr. Caligari, I know it's a different film, but the guy who plays Caesar, who's the killer in the film, he's also the same person who plays the main guy who has a disfigured face and The Man Who Laughs, Who's the Joker's appearance is based on, obviously from DC Comics. But yeah. another character he plays, which is a lot more prominent, is he plays the main Nazi in Casablanca. So to see that jump from being a very prolific silent era star to one of the world's worst type of people in one of the most popular and loved films, especially between you and me, yeah. it's crazy to think. Yeah. The when only thing talk- I, I know about this film besides, because Max Shrek didn't live very long after the movie came out. He, I think he died around 59, and he was already, like, in his 30s or something in this film. So, yeah. this is one of Germany's most beloved films. Most people in Germany will say, like, if I had to name one of my favorite films, it'd be Nosferatu. It's still beloved to this very day. But yeah. I wouldn't say he got the wide amount of recognition he deserved as much as other people did. Uh, the guy who plays Hutter uh, is not the third... He was the third option to choose from as far as that that, that actor. That wasn't the person the director wanted, or even the second person. But he was really prolific with the role, but this happened in 22. Obviously, the Nazis started invading in the 30s, and a lot of these actors had to either disappear or run away. Something interesting about this actor is that he fled to the Soviet Union. (laughs) And he was very in line even when he was in Germany to the Communist Party. A lot of the stuff he did even in Soviet Russia was very heavily aligned and Stalin pushed him and interrogated him to give out other names and was responsible for deaths of other friends of his. So it's weird to think how a lot of people during this film has just deteriorated in time. Or like the history between a lot of these actors is still very estranged and very ridiculous. Like Max Schreck was always a reclusive. He wasn't... in that time period still very much a character actor and he kept to himself for the most part there's not a lot of history about him nowadays even in stuff like shadow of the vampire talks about a bunch of these people but in that film it's very skewed obviously Frick isn't a real fucking vampire but they even talk about the person who plays the archetype of mina it's not mina i think it's ellen in the movie ellen she's in the, that film, they portray her as like this big, bombastic, popular actress in Germany. She's not like that. She was a fucking relative unknown when this film came out. So a lot of things, even the depictions that are supposed to be telling a more like star-focused narrative are still very different and changed.
0: Yeah, she was really good. I really liked her. Uh, I think she was my second favorite person in the movie, actually.
1: I like a lot of the design, and I like the character of Hutter a lot. I think as far as Jonathan Harker's goes, even though he's not Jonathan Harker, I do think he does a fantastic job. Yeah, he's really good. Most most Jonathans either fall flat because their characters don't have a lot of narrative to them, but I just find him very fun on screen.
0: Yeah, he's entertaining as hell. He's got a lot of energy. He does. Yeah. i
1: love the the makeup and the the way they kind of like drive his hair to be a little bit more like flamboyant but also suited up enough to feel like he's still like
0: a real estate agent i also love how like like a really um uh what's his name? knock knock I, I really like knock a lot yeah uh, he's just he's so fucking off the wall his, his yeah. rendition of renfield's is really it's fantastic it's funny to watch. It's just funny to watch him and uh, and Hutter in the office where he's giving him the job, and he's like, "Yeah, that nice house across the street from I, yours." I find it wild that you <laughs> Go have sign so, him many, up. so many
1: versions of Renfield, and like they still haven't topped like the 1922 and 1931 version. Like those two versions are still like so fucking good.
0: Yes, and one of them can't I, speak. I, <laughs> Yeah, I, I love Nock. It's, it's just the like because the, the, right before the transition out of that scene where he's giving him the job to go to Count Last castle, and they're just fucking sitting there laughing really hard together. They're just he steals sitting there like, wow. things from the
1: the fucking people that have him imprisoned. He yep. like fucking bites them. He's just so deranged. Tries
0: to break someone's neck.
1: Yeah, I. That's the, climb up,
0: climb out the fucking wall to the to the railings.
1: I mean, you put it pretty perfectly when you're talking about like how. how Hunter had a lot of energy. Like every actor or actress in this film just feels like they're displaying so much energy. That's one thing that's lost with the silent era. It's just because people have dialogue, they feel like they have to emote less. It's like, yes, maybe so it could, could be considered overacting or whatever, but like these people are throwing themselves into the role literally, and it's so expressive. That's what's so cool about these films.
0: I love I love this kind of shit. It reminds me a lot of like the energy of like a not not literally the energy of, but it reminds me a lot of some of the like the sequences in like a Charlie Chaplin movie. Yeah, just super duper high intensity action, or not action, high intensity just energy. These people just like bouncing around the screen like crazy, and that's what they have to do in order to express themselves as actors in these kinds of movies because there's no dialogue. So. It's, it's always it's always impressive and it also it makes me respect the actors a lot actors and actresses a lot more because they have a lot uh, a tougher time expressing themselves than an actor nowadays would because they don't have a voice so I've, I've always been more impressed with stuff like that
1: it's something that isn't lost completely in the beginning of the sound era too because you wouldn't have films like the first frankenstein where you have Dr. Uh, Frankenstein really emoting what he's talking about like giving life to creature or yeah. like just in general like the invisible man when he is talking about things and being very boisterous like you see so much expression in the way he acts like a lot of the early sound films they're built on just the the power and the fluidity of these characters just walking around on screen or in a case like Dracula how he doesn't move how everything feels mesmerizing even in those Faradzins he, you know, I will say, obviously, the jump cuts of him moving around do not work as well nowadays, but when he stands there and he's staring, this Dracula, this Count Orlok, he feels mesmerizing. This entire atmosphere of the movie, you could just summarize with, with the word mesmerizing.
0: Yeah. It's hard to look away.
1: Uh, absolutely. I also mean, the like a time on the screen where you're not trying to feel like you're getting every second of what he's giving to you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I had to pause it a couple of times just because it's just like it's one of those movies where it's just like, at times it's uncomfortable, for one thing. Particularly with scenes like with with Count Orlok, where you know, like obviously Hutter cuts his finger and Orlok's like, "Oh no, you like your precious blood," and then fucking sucks his yes. finger. Yeah. Also, I didn't know until I um I didn't realize one until I watched the movie and uh, Hutter showed the 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 pinpricks on his neck that his fucking buck teeth are the fangs. Orlock? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Cause I'm so used to like how how much that like uh, vampire media accentuates the canine teeth in our mouth. Mm-hmm. Rather than that, it's just funny. It's like a rabbit bit somebody. I love how like it, like when um, when Hunter first meets Orlock, he Orlock's like hiding his fucking ears, <laughs> got his fucking hat on the whole yeah, time.
1: he's, he's uh, driving the carriage. Yeah. You know what I love about that is they never address the fact that he was driving the carriage. Yep,
0: yeah, No, never talk about it.
1: Like, I find that so funny because it's like, oh yeah, like, weren't you the cab driver? What? No. <laughs> yeah. No? Yeah, I don't oh. say shit about it.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with that. Just make it weird. One of the things I did want to talk about, because I messaged you about it last night and you didn't respond to me, which is fine. Um, Alright, is- dude, he's
1: reflecting... <laughs> in the middle of a fucking video okay
0: (laughs) that's not what i'm doing um there's a reason he didn't respond uh but i texted you i said i didn't know that this was going to have such a downer ending and this is gonna wrap into kind of like the lore of of this film because it's different from most vampire things at least i think of not just that you know orlock is a very very unconventional vampire or it was an unconventional vampire before I saw, because you know there's other things that have copied it, like Salem's Lot and stuff like that. But the whole thing, like the way that they resolve the film and defeat Orlok, is basically Ellen has to sacrifice herself to kill Orlok, which is not in any vampire medium I've ever seen. Yes. Um, I've never seen that where, where like a, a beautiful woman needs to just give them his blood so that he's distracted for the sun to rise.
1: I think that's very creative of it. it they don't ever specify the fact that she is distracting him, but you don't have to. They say in the book that like it need, like a maid needs to give her life to take care of the vampire, but just the fact that after she does it, the sun finishes the job, I think it's very masterfully done.
0: Well, it's like, the way, the way that I think it said in the book was basically like, hey, a maiden has to give over her blood so that he misses the first um, cock, uh, call the call of the cock. Mm-hmm. So basically, I, I at least interpreted that as she has to distract him, the sun rises and kills him. Yeah. But yeah, I've never seen that in anything else before. Um, you know, that's just, I mean, like, it's, it's cool to see an older movie that you think would like a lot of vampire films would steal things from, have things that still surprise you, because I had no idea that was going to happen. Yeah, I thought at the end of the movie that you know like I don't know Hutter was going to show up with the Van Helsing type character and just fucking beat the vampire. They don't even talk about really staking.
1: No, they don't.
0: They do. They do retain the whole him in the coffin with um, Earth from his.
1: Which is weird—they don't continue that in a lot of films. Yeah, like that was very heavily prevalent in a lot of origins, especially like fifties and before. Like, hey, they need the ground that they were that they were buried in. But now it's just like this motherfucker goes wherever he feels like now. As long as he's got a weird fucking coffin. Sometimes it's like as long as he's just in the dark, man.
0: I'm also I'm also used to like uh, vampires having servants with them, bringing their shit for them. You know, they're familiars in terms of like Blade or what we do in the shadows and all that stuff, but um, he's just fucking full on walking down the streets and just shouldering his coffin like a goddamn Chad, man. Yeah, he picks it up himself. I find that so so funny. He, he just, just has lies all, all five of them up. He's just, he's just walking with him. just like, Yeah, dude, I fucking carry my goddamn coffin on my shoulder. I'm an absolute Chad. Um, yeah, that that's pretty funny.
1: I also like when Hunter gets there. Because this is the problem when you're not being told about night and day or whatever. <clears throat> when Hunter first gets there, it looks like it's daytime. Right? Yeah. I don't know how much time it's stretched. He's like, hey, it's midnight. All the servants are asleep. And you're like, hold on. I've got several questions. What fucking servants you drove that fucking carriage? Second of all, it's midnight? <laughs> Third of all, are we going to not address the fact that that so-called werewolf over there was a hyena? Like Yeah,
0: I, that was the first time when they said, like, yeah, the werewolf is out tonight and it cuts to a hyena. I'm like... Yeah. Huh. Okay. Why? Where? Where'd you get the hyena? Why is it... In- <laughs> is it running around the, the hills of fucking Transylvania? Yeah, Will he's you-
1: just chilling, too. He's not having too bad of a time. He's like, hey some grass right
0: that's so weird i guess they were like well if it's a werewolf it can't just look like a dog or a werewolf or coyote or like a wolf or a coyote we gotta make it look like something even scarier and you just got this fucking cute hyena to show up yeah the very not not threatening not
1: threatening at all very just passe like i'm
0: having a good day i guess and it's just like is that hyena supposed to be orlock i i yeah I'm, i'm not positive um, in the in, book, in, in certain, the werewolf In certain is, media, is it would be... Yeah, in the certain media, vampires can, turn, can shape shapeshift in the wolves. So I was like, is that supposed to be Orlock? At least that's doesn't rape a girl. I have, yeah. I mean, I, I'd have to assume that it's Orlock. Yeah. I don't know who else it would be. Um, unless there's, you know, they're world building. They're trying to create the Nosferatu cinematic universe and they're setting up the Wolfman in the first movie. Um, but, you yeah, know, I... I there were a couple times in the movie where I got a little bit confused as to what time of day it was. Because they used yellow for daytime a lot. And then they used sepia almost for like daytime indoors. Yeah. But then they would use sepia or they use daytime for... They'd use yellow for daytime indoors rather than sepia. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on anymore. I think, Kino, you're forgetting your colors.
1: I would say it'd be better if Kino didn't have a coloring system. Like, yeah. we can assume when it's daytime, there's no fucking vampire. And when it, or, yeah, you know, like most versions, it is just black and white. Cause sometimes it is just black and white in the film too. Yeah. Like, I don't, if listen, anything, it doesn't always... matter that much. Like if the vampire's on screen, it's clearly night, whatever. I don't need yeah. to be as confused as you throwing three different color palettes at me.
0: Yeah, if if anything, remove yellow and sepia and just make it blue at nighttime. Yeah. So there's just two there's two colors. It's all all you need is two colors. Um That's if the sepia isn't also have to do with the film stock. Maybe the film stock is Maybe. degraded. I think I I'm
1: sure that it has to lend itself to why they changed it sometimes. Because they yeah. even say when they're talking about in the beginning for the kino release, it's like, hey, you know,
0: we this definitely. put those together like three different versions of the film.
1: Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, like this is still probably not the original way the film was shown. There's still probably some differences, but we did the best we could. So, okay, well, fucking, we did the best
0: we could with what we had. and I mean, for a movie that's from a movie that's from 22 it's impressive
1: did you ever think about that though you ever think about like how it's so annoying we'll never see the true versions of some films
0: yeah i mean like the whole the whole problem with that like back in the day like we didn't give a fuck about preserving movies like
1: well for them especially like they made a promise with bram stoker's widow saying they would destroy every copy of the movie afterwards because of the lawsuit Whoops. So that was kind of it. It was more so the fact where it's like we are not trying to get into a more heavy induced court battle.
0: Yeah, of just course. Destroy the
1: copies. It is what it is. We we had we have our fucking money. It's game.
0: Yeah, of course. I'm just like saying, even even putting that aside, like we as a um, society didn't really value saving or protecting film for a decent amount of times at the point where we lost movies.
1: Or There's a just, lot of like, losses. Yeah, we talked about it before, because the, there was the big fire in Universal that took out thousands and thousands of films. A bunch of them.
0: Yep, like, we had that too. Um, but I, I can't remember when they started like actually like actively preserving movies. But we lost a good chunk of movies that we'll never see again because we just did not care about preserving them.
1: What was the film? I think there was one that was released recently-ish. Or maybe within the past 20 years where they thought was lost but it's like hey a private collector actually ended up having this film and we could actually show it to people now and it's like oh fucking thing! the
0: Orson Welles movie that was on Netflix that they finished
1: I don't remember but I remember that happened it's like and it's a they film I did. watched when I found that out I was like I'm so glad they fucking figured this out because like if I couldn't have seen well, this that would have
0: sucked that that one I uh I don't know but the uh, I know that they just released a movie by George Romero that never got finished on Shudder that's pretty a good the cool. new uh, a new Romero movie that no one ever saw so I would love mind. if one day they
1: they've just found some copy of London after midnight me too that would just fucking be amazing Cause there's that, and some of the horror ones, like the Golem movies, they don't have all of them released. They only have like I think there's like maybe three in the series, I think something like that, and only one of them has been found.
0: The um the original version of Freaks, yeah, will never be. I think from what I understand, I think they destroyed everything. So the version of Freaks that you can watch is not the the version that was released in theaters. I don't think
1: That sucks yeah. I can't fucking find it anywhere anyways <laughs>
0: Apparently it's got like, a, like an extremely uh, Even more dark ending That they had to cut out of it It sucks to know It absolutely sucks
1: to know That some films will never actually get to fully watch Mhm. And it's so depressing But I'm glad that we can in some ways Watch Nosferatu Yeah, Uh, I'll say depending on like I said with the Kino release, with some of the public domain releases, like you're always gonna see it differently. There's there's a lot of different ways to watch it. I was um, looking up some facts about it, and I found out in the '90s they made a they changed the score to like a soundtrack by Double O Negative, and I'm like, wow, I'll never fucking listen to that.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, I know like um. They do that a lot with silent movies, where they'll they'll have someone rescore it. Some of them or, have
1: multiple scores
0: too. Yeah. Um
1: Like I think um, Phantom was released in two different years, and in the second year I believe they changed the score and added the color scene. Because the original yeah. one didn't have the color scene, I think had a different score. And that's why there's different versions of Phantom where they That's why like we have on the keynote release of Phantom I think there is multiple different versions
0: but there's there's the one with the English intercuts and then there's one with the original German ones
1: yeah but I think you can choose uh, to watch the scenes with color or without too on the the Blu-ray wait are you talking about um, Nosferatu yeah oh yeah I'm talking about Phantom
0: oh I have no idea about Phantom yeah Phantom has
1: different cuts to it because they've made it differently and they've crafted this fucking Frankenstein film differently. it's so, yeah. It was tough to pick all the pieces of that movie because I think it was released like I said, separate, separate times. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said though, Nosferatu does have one with the German cuts and then one with English. I think that's really fucking cool.
0: Either way, they're sourced from the original typewriting of the what the cards were going to be yeah. so they're, they're supposed to be completely accurate. Yeah. By the way, just translated. I mean, the it.
1: fact, it's like a fucking lime green isn't accurate.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. It's a weird thing to cut to, but that's not the movie's fault.
1: Yeah, it's just very jarring that chose that.
0: Yeah, I do like how they showcase like um like the, the the cards in between. You know, like the the dialogue cards. There are like they especially for like uh, the ones where they're cutting to someone reading a book. Like they actually designed them really beautifully to, to kind of like feel more like you're reading a book rather than a, a cut in a movie.
1: They do that a lot in the film Haxon as well.
0: Oh yeah, I, I wanna I've been to want to watch Haxon. It's tough wanting to watch. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch that one for a while. I heard that at least in the like some of the original versions of it it was pretty fucked up.
1: I have to ask, did you ever feel like the film was going too slow?
0: Um, I think it was going the pace that it could go. Honestly, I don't think that, Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a slow, it's a slow movie, but it, it's just a slow burn. Um, it did, it did, it does feel different though. Like a slow, a slow burn silent film feels different than a slow burn talkie. So yeah, it does feel quite slow, but it's something you have to acclimate to over time because it's, it's such a different, a different way than the way that we watch movies. So you have to put yourself in a different mindset while watching them. Uh, for some people, that's gonna be tough because you know, they, you know, I spent my entire life watching movies where I was told a story and shown a story. Whereas this one, you are pretty much being shown one. So, yeah, I would say that there was a couple times where I felt I felt the sl- the slowness of it, but I don't think there was really another way to do it. So,
1: I think some scenes linger too much. I think, especially in Act Two, I, I feel like it can get kind of boring. I love the movie; like i I'll be one hundred percent say this is a great movie. Everyone has to see it, but. I think some stuff in Act 2 does drag and after he meets Count Orlock, and some of the stuff with Hutter does just become like, whatever. Or some of the scenes with Ellen when they talk about other people in the household it feels pretty pointless. And I'm almost like waiting for things to pick up again sometimes right before the the middle and then right before the conclusion. Some things just feel like they just take too much time.
0: I'll say I, I definitely felt at times like the cards themselves at times lingered a little bit longer than they should have
1: oh but they they linger so long there's sometimes and i don't do this but like i'll look at my phone being like what the fuck is it's taking a long time for this card man like i know i can read decently fast but like who the fuck reads this slow
0: yeah i read i read really fast with stuff like this and so that that those were more of the moments where i noticed i'm like oh okay this is this is a little little slow because it just kept on... You know, they put a card up and it'd be there for, like... It felt like a full 30 seconds to 45 seconds.
1: If there's a card up there, you can read it four times over, at least. Yeah, I tested it one time, because I'm like, I can read decently fast, but I'll take my time. How many times can I read this? And I got to about, like, five times before it changed.
0: Yeah, it's like... I I don't know if I could say I get it, because... You know, it's an older movie, but I don't know. I just feel like most people can read faster than that. So when it lingers that long, I feel like that's it's just it's too much. It's I don't know if it's like pacing. yeah, like, I don't know if it's if it's trying to compensate for people possibly not paying attention and then having to snap to it and then be able to read it in time. I, I feel know.
1: like it it takes my attention away though, because like I'm I'll be pretty kicked into this film, especially after you meet Orlock. It's like it's hard to look away. And then Orlock leaves, and you're focused on Hutter doing random shit. A lot of these cards show up a lot more. Because in Act 2, there's a lot more dialogue with mm-hmm. these cards. So it feels like, holy shit, this is dragging so long. Like, Why is there so much dialogue to get across right now? I, I did kind of... I was curious if you did feel like it was tough to get through. Like, do you think that if you didn't have to watch it for the episode, you would have probably paused and said, I'll do this later?
0: No because I've 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 tried to I've watched this I've been watching like the first like 15 minutes before and like at this point it's just like I've been wanting to just knock this off my list for a while Mm -hmm. so I probably wouldn't have bought the Blu-ray I'll tell you that much I wouldn't have bought the Blu-ray if if we didn't have to do it for this but um yeah I I would have definitely finished it especially because you've been trying to get me to watch it for a long time I would I I probably if anything I might have paused it and went and gone and made some food and then come back (sighs) Mm-hmm. but I, I definitely wouldn't have stopped it and started it another day. I love this movie,
1: but I think there's... The more you get into these films, the bigger the learning curve seems for a film like Nosferatu. I feel like... I know *Fan of the Opera might be longer, but I feel like it's easier to get through. If
0: it is, if it is, it's barely longer.
1: It's easier to get through, and I feel like you watch that, you don't really feel like you're, you're having as much time taken away from you. Caligari's like- pretty fast, too.
0: Yeah, Caligari's still the reigning champ for me, but Phantom's fucking wonderful. But um, yeah, Nosferatu—I like this is a movie that I really enjoy and I respect the hell out of it. From what it has done for the industry, for what it's done for the genre, um, the quality of craftsmanship, especially for the time period, the performances are great, uh, the makeup's fantastic, just really, honestly, really impressive. Just Nosferatu himself just looks incredible for the time and. There's some legitimately haunting imagery, some legitimately spooky shit in this movie that I really appreciated out of a movie from this era. Um, I wouldn't say you know, like it terrified me or anything, but it definitely got me to shiver a little bit. Seeing him down at the end of the hallway, just staring coldly at Hutter, uh, right and when he just, first opens the door too. Yeah, it's just like that's that just keeps me out. It's just because it's just it's the way his stiff mannerisms. As he's coming through the door like he's he's just so otherworldly like he's just he's obviously not human and it's just it's it's really a really great performance for something that for a character that's not going to be that much
1: what would you say not as your favorite scene but like your favorite shot in the movie
0: i mean i love i mean i love the shot everyone loves the whole you know claw yeah. um come up the stairs obviously i'll say but take
1: that I, shot away and take away the shot with him at the doors with Hutter. Take those away. What would be your favorite shot?
0: Including the one at the end of the hallway? because yeah, take those like, away. Fuck me, sideways. Because there's some shots that I, after this
1: watching I was more impressed by and thought were genuinely really fucking cool. Two come to mind, especially.
0: I, I like the shot where he rolls up on the uh, the car- the carriage. No yeah, yeah. that's
1: a cool shot. I like that a lot.
0: I like that one. Um, the first one I'll talk
1: about is... Him on the ship. I think it looks so visually distinct, and he looks so oh, when he's when out he's, of his element, but it's so fucking
0: cool. The shot when the camera's looking up at him from the hold—that's cool. But I like that it when
1: it's it's on like the the side of the ship, and you see like the background and everything, and he's just looking up around. because yeah. he feels so like I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I'm gonna awesome. fucking kill people. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's so good. The yeah. shot
0: also where he because the the captain's like laid up against the um the wall behind him behind the steering wheel. Yeah, I don't know if it was just me, but it kind of freaked me out a little bit because he was laying up against the wall and it looked like behind him on the wall there was a blood stain a blood stain. Oh yeah. And for the ear, I was just like, wow, that's that's pretty fucked. Another shot An imagery. Another
1: shot that I thought was fantastic is when Ellen and Hutter are looking out of their um their house and across you see no you see count orlock looking in from that yes. building that is so amazing so of a shot
0: so creepy like
1: you look at that and it's like to see him fixated on them like he doesn't blink it's like holy fuck that's terrifying
0: i also just love i really appreciate the shot um because you can see like it's around the same time but you can see like the camera is lower in the room but you can see out the window and you can still see the building Yeah, just like you know, like the building is there. Like this is a real. It might be an actual real place. Yeah, it's not not just a set. Um, Especially for the year because it's pretty detailed. Like you can see the the building. You can really see it.
1: The thing I love Uh, the most about it is they don't have an up close shot of him too, because just the him, his figure is so imposing enough in this random empty building.
0: He's very clear in the window. Like you can very easily see it's him, and he's just like I'm coming for. Itch. Yeah, I I fucking oh, <laughs> one of the funnier moments in it actually I actually genuinely laughed was when he his fucking picture falls out onto the table and Nosferatu picks it up he just looks at it, he's like your your wife has a beautiful neck yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like That's a nice thing. don't and they it's say hard... that
1: verbatim in the Bram uh, uh, Stokers uh, Dracula I don't...
0: Think so? I think this is a, no. He, he talks about how beautiful his wife is and that he's a lucky man. Uh, but um, and this is like, yeah, she's got a beautiful neck. I'm just like, and then Hutter's just like, <laughs> he's fucking off. It's the all about charts the, in that scene. the expression, man. It's all wonderful, man. the The performances are so good. He's like, uh, hey,
1: take a seat, you handsome man. I don't have a lot of guests over. <laughs> and I'm <just> like. Yeah. <laughs> Like, dude, fucking calm down. Nobody here knows you're here. Like,
0: and we get up the weird. next morning with the fucking the fucking rabbit bite on his neck. Yeah. He fucking looks over at the at the table and's like, food. And he just rushes over because he he's yeah. just shoves his shovels. drinking,
1: his
0: yeah. Yeah, he's fucking morning drinking. He's fucking shoveling food in his mouth like a fucking madman.
1: And he uh, he sees the person not too far from Dracula's castle. He's like, hey, deliver my message. Get up. Get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> Like what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, "Do you deliver?" He like, "Yeah, just go away."
0: <laughs> like, hey, 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 hey! Runs down the fucking hill. <laughs> That's
1: another thing I thought was really well done. Is how they make the townspeople look so terrified when he says, "I'm going to count lock up." So he's like, "Get the
0: fuck out!" Yeah, remind me of. Um, reminded me of. It probably has has something to do with it. But the scene at the in the um, in American Werewolf in London where he's like, "Yeah, yep." Yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about the wars and they're just like, hey, what's that sign up there for? The pentagram is like, oh, fuck you talking about, bitch. Why are you yeah. talking about my pentagram, bitch? Get the fuck out of my place. Yeah, it reminded me of that. I mean, obviously, it, you know, this game first, but it's still really. Oh Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, oh my god.
1: I, I can't believe Nose for All Nosferatu ripped off American Werewolf
0: in London. I guarantee you, there's someone stupid enough on Twitter that would say something like that.
1: We should not allow people to have Twitter if they're 16 or younger.
0: There's people who are over 16 I think shouldn't have fucking Twitter, too. No, but, like,
1: that should just be a fucking ground rule. I'm so sick of doing people that are 16 or younger on Twitter. You
0: shouldn't be allowed to have a Twitter unless you've completed at least 12 years of schooling. I know some
1: people that still wouldn't be (laughs) allowed on Twitter and they're, like, fucking 30 years old. Yeah.
0: I know people who are older than 30 who I probably wouldn't give a Twitter due, either.
1: Uh, But, yeah, no. Yeah, you you're fucking stupid, man. You have you go on film Twitter Discord. Sometimes it's really funny to to watch and it. Sometimes it's really cringy. It's mostly just bad. Yeah, ooh, no, it is mostly ooh. bad. Uh, I saw one where it's like, um, hey MCU. I Twitter, think like Twitter's pretty garbage too. Hey, MCU Twitter. Where, where table are you sitting at? And it had like two movies per table, and like every good film had a terrible movie next to it. And I said, wow, looks like I'm skipping lunch. <laughs> like yeah. it was just like it had shit like, oh, Winter Soldier. Thor Ragnarok well I haven't seen that so I'm not sitting at that table and I doubt I'd want to it's like oh first Avenger Age of Ultron well you're not gonna fucking catch me there it's like all these good movies with like this dog shit it's like who the fuck put this terrible thing together
0: I think that's the point I feel like that's some kind of litmus test it's like what what brand of shit will you shovel into your mouth
1: not those fucking movies
0: nah but Nosferatu man shit's fire
1: much better than mcu
0: <laughs> don't let them know that man oh man not related to nosferatu but i was laughing my ass off watching Eraserhead head the other day for the first time yeah. just thinking about all the people referring to wandavision as lynchian just after stupid. watching Eraserhead. i'm just like what
1: i just i hate i just have to like, assume
0: that they've never seen something by david lynch and they just well, think that, oh if it's is... somewhat slightly I don't peculiar. want to get too like.
1: offhand with like Nosferatu, but this lines in with like just those films in general. Where people will have an element in one of these movies and say like it's like this, it's, it's this style, it's this genre. It's like it's not that fucking genre, dude. As yeah, like, a comic like, what book reader, you can tell characters that are superheroes with horror stories. You can tell them with sci-fi stories, with straight up just action stories, with comedy. Like, you can have genres in these books, but the way these stories are told in the films, they're first and foremost always action films. And everything yep. comes second. And, and that's the problem. They aren't multi-genre films. They're straightforward yes. with little speckles of subgenres that don't impact the actual film. And they deal with horror, too. Like, I mean, a lot of times it's like, oh, there's a lot of horror atmosphere in this film. That's pretty sick. It's like, it's not fucking sick, dude. Shut up. I
0: always find that funny because of the whole, um, they, they hired Scott Derrickson to do. Doctor strange. strange. Everyone's like, oh my god, they're gonna do Doctor Strange like a horror movie, and then it comes out and it's not like a horror movie at all.
1: Yeah, the only thing that's fucking strange is that somebody's just in that movie for fucking about two hours. That That's my biggest problem. Horror films make me feel like I can love watching a film that isn't two hours. Why is every film I'm watching two hours and twenty fucking minutes? Like, if a story... And that's the thing. A lot of horror films are just one location, usually. A lot of films we've been talking about are usually done in one location, or... There's yep. not a whole lot of locations to them, so they're more secluded. Small scale. But there's still some great storytelling to do. Yeah. And if I'm getting that with these films, and I'm feeling like, small scale, one location, but I'm interested, how come I'm getting films that are like, fucking huge scale, all these locations, and I want to shoot my fucking brains out? Stop having your stories have to be so complex, because you can't handle it, so why the fuck should the viewer have to handle it?
0: I used to have like a rule of thumb, and I think a lot of people kind of share this perspective, on horror movies, but like there's a sweet spot for a runtime of a horror film for a lot of people, I would say. And usually they're looking for it to be between 85 and 95 minutes. I've kind of walked back on that because a lot of movies I've watched lately, especially like in the horror genre, that I've really enjoyed are over that.
1: Lately nowadays, I think you're. Pushing into one forty to two hours.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of horror films nowadays nowadays have approached the two hour mark. I mean, like the Conjuring movies, I think all of them are two hours long at least. Yes. Not the not the spinoffs. I think those are usually about ninety minutes. But those, and as far as I know, like the first two, of those movies are fucking awesome. But the whole point about having like a, a runtime of that length is justifying having that length of a runtime. And if the story justifies it, then I don't care. The Shining is two and a half hours, but it's wonderful, so
1: it doesn't matter. His films are very... His films are genuinely different with the way Kubrick tells stories a lot of the time. He's a
0: very meticulous story. Type. But
1: my problem a lot of the times comes down to the fact that you do have stories that shouldn't be complicated, and they are overcomplicated. Oh, yeah. If you have films by James Wan where he's telling a very contained story, but he's delving out in the emotions and because those emotions are getting broadened you're getting an extra 20 minutes of runtime all right i'll buy it but if i'm getting another 20 30 minutes of action in a fucking horror movie or just in like a a regular movie it's like why are you giving this to me like am i really grasping a whole lot yeah if i'm getting a slasher film nowadays i really don't want my slasher films to get close to two hours 140 hour 40 hour 50 minutes i'm okay with oh that's only 10 minutes 10 minutes makes a big fucking difference in a slasher
0: film yeah five minutes makes a lot of difference oh for sure but I, I feel like of all the subgenres of horror the one that i feel like has to stay in a sweet spot really is slashers just because i feel like slashers and part, found footage if you ask me found footage movies just shouldn't fucking exist yes but um,
1: be real being realistic be realistic, like, realistic if you yeah, have a no, found should... footage movie and you're over like an hour 40 minutes you're either fucking stupid or you're really just milking that goddamn cow well
0: like my favorite found footage movie in the past like 15 15 years or however long that this fucking that genre's been going for Blair Witch is 1999 well yeah but I'm talking about like when it was like it blew up it blew up after
1: I think Blair Witch it almost blew up nearly immediately after Resurrection is 2002 What's up? Resurrections 2002.
0: Yeah, but I'm talking about movies that are beginning to end found footage films. And I feel like that didn't really, like, Blair Witch was really important, but it didn't pop off the subgenre the way that Paranormal Activity did. It became a financially, like, a, like a huge scale because because the movies are so cheap that, like, studios will just be like, I'll pump out, like, seven of those a year and make my money back easy so like we had a shit ton of, of those movies after paramount activity hit um but of the so that's like 2009 2010 at that point so the past like 10 11 years the best one that i've seen is creep and that's 70 minutes so um i hear the one that came out last year uh the, the zoom horror movie that's on uh shutter host yeah somebody filmed a, a whole 65 minute horror film last year only over zoom and apparently it's fucking amazing I only saw the one that was like that for like Skype. It
1: was like unfriended. Yeah, no, it's not like that. I actually liked that. I thought it was decent. I mean, because the thing is, like, oh, it's just a stupid gimmick, and they have to make it last the whole film. It's not. And I'm not gonna say like, Mike, this film is fucking amazing. I'm gonna sit here and say, yeah, it's a dumb premise, but like, I don't think it's like bad. I think it's. It has a decent run time and you can get through it easily enough and it's fine. Like I thought I think it's worth a watch.
0: I'm just you know, that's that's definitely one of my least favorite subgenres. But yeah, yeah I I agree with you though that they shouldn't those those kinds of movies definitely shouldn't approach ninety five minutes. But like one of the ones that I uh, I really like recently has been like Hereditary. Hereditary is like two hours and like ten minutes. Yeah. But yeah. it's one part horror film one part family drama and it spends that extra time building up characters that we care about and it really works because of it so some movies justify having
1: Midsummer, I think 2 hours and 20 minutes yeah I haven't seen I'll I'll say this much though I don't think it builds up a lot about its characters
0: though (laughs) oh boy yeah, I still haven't seen that, and I don't know what I'm going to. I know we'll get
1: to it eventually, because I haven't seen Hereditary. We'll probably end up doing a, a back-to-back with those two. Yeah,
0: I think I'm, I'm going to wind up buying that fucking A24 exclusive 4K set. Okay.
1: <laughs> but I think, because we we're talking about runtime and lengths of these films, you compare it to a film like Nosferatu, where it is silent. I think this movie is like an hour 40.
0: Hour 95. Uh, hour 95. Uh, yeah, 95-minute movie, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's close to an hour 40. And a lot of the silent films do get around to like an hour 20 to an hour 40. Like you really have to affectionately say to yourself how much are we going to utilize this runtime? And like we've said, like, I think sometimes Nosferatu does drag in some parts. I think they could change the pacing a little bit. Title cards, obviously, but like even some scenes do I feel linger a little bit too much. Then they could change up, especially in Act 2 and like Act 4. This is 1922. There's not a whole lot of feature-length films before... Nosferatu. And if it stands up this well and has a testament for a silent film afterwards, like I think that's pretty astounding. You you get to see how much these filmmakers and actors utilize with this runtime and with this type of expressing. And since then, you know, it's transcended genre. Now Nosferatu is not just mimicked in the horror atmosphere or like the horror realm, also other films, just in general classic cinema takes a lot of notes from this film. That's why I'm glad that we were able to knock this one off for you because you know, I love the movie but I'm glad you could see just how much of an impact it has firsthand.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's no matter how much I can quibble with it Uh, It's a very, it's one of the most undeniably important movies ever made. You know, it's one of those movies that launched a genre, you know, horror, horrors, pretty much cinema's oldest genre. You know, one of the very first movies ever made, I believe we talked about this in one of the early episodes, is Edison's Frankenstein.
1: 1910, I believe.
0: Yeah. So it's like, this is just an evolution of cinema's oldest genre. And it's something that has remained in pop culture for over a hundred years now, for almost a hundred years now.
1: Yeah, especially Nosferatu. Everyone talks about the fucking SpongeBob joke.
0: It's 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 something that I don't think is going anywhere anytime soon. And maybe it, I think this is a movie I feel like more people should watch. You know, it's obviously a, an incredibly popular movie that I'm sure that many people have seen, or have but I think, heard of. Yeah, and I, th- I think if you're someone who is interested in movies, period, I think that at some point in your life you should watch this movie. It's it's one of the most important movies ever made. It's got great performances. It's got some of the most iconic imagery you ever put the film. It's a really interesting kind of situation because of the way that the film came about. It's supposed to be a Dracula movie, it's not a Dracula movie because Bram Stoker's Widow's like, no, you can't make this fucking movie as a as a Dracula movie. So they went and made their own movie and they made their own changes to the lore. They created things that we now accept as fact into the into the vampire mythos. It's a movie that is very important to a lot of the things that you that we all enjoy on a daily basis. So I think it's something that, that everyone should watch.
1: I think the myth and legend behind. Nosferatu makes it so much more interesting to me. The fact, like I said, it's come out of Dracula's shadow and has cast its own shadow. The fact that some people like Stephen King visualize Nosferatu as being the only way to depict a vampire, I think is very interesting because it's so drastically different than how it usually is depicted. I think let's end it with that and get into final thoughts.
0: My final thoughts are just that this is one of the most important movies ever made. It's a movie that everyone needs to watch at least once in their lives and I think that it's a fascinating story not just as a film but the history about it and what it has brought to cinema over the years and decades. It's just a wonderful, enjoyable movie. It has its its issues. It's it's an old, it's an early film. It's definitely a bit long in the tooth at times, as far especially with uh, the length that it holds on certain sequences, but it's worth watching for Max Shrek. It's worth watching for the ambiance and the, the tone. It's just a it's just a wonderful time capsule of a movie. Just score. Four point five out of five. Maybe a four. Kind of riding the line. I find the interpretations of Nosferatu more
1: interesting than Dracula. I prefer a more classic depiction of Dracula if I'm going to see a visual demeanor of the character, but I always love the way that they do the storytelling in Nosferatu. It always feels more mesmerizing, it always feels more mystical, because they're letting themselves into a more creative realm, and I think that's really cool. Even the remake in 1979 does a lot of drastically different things with the Dracula uh, mythos but it's still very distinct and sticks it to, like, the Nosferatu lore, which is very cool. And that's why I've always considered these films to be so separate from Dracula in its own way. Just kind of casting its own shadow, having its own way to tell its story and push along. I don't know if I'd say is my favorite story for Dracula, but there's a lot of things I do genuinely think is the best. I like Hunter a lot in this version. I like the way that things are depicted in this version as, as far as, like, atmosphere and setting. I like the way the story flows between different characters. I think there's a lot to love in Nosferatu, and I think if you like the story of Dracula, you should at least watch this version of Nosferatu and say, "Cool!" To know how they had limitations and go around it, and that those limitations changed the world and the way we viewed vampires—that's really interesting. Yeah, and I'll always, especially... I'll always be happy with the fact that I, I got to fall in love with the film on my own instead of being told hey check this out you have to watch Nosferatu.
0: Yeah I especially really appreciate that you can really trace a lot of cool things like you said back to this movie but a lot of people don't talk about it as much as you know when people think of Dracula or a vampire the first thing they think of is it's gonna be Bela Lugosi. They think of that iconic version of Dracula and it's kind of amazing how a lot of the stuff that we take for granted within the the vampire subgenre is actually more so from Nosferatu than from Dracula. I agree. Despite the fact that I'm sure like even Todd Brownie's Dracula kind of. Oh yeah. It gets a lot of stuff depictions
1: and imagery from this film.
0: So it's kind of funny that the preeminent visual of a vampire actually takes a lot from the unofficial version of itself. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how that works out. Like I said, fascinating history about this movie History is the best
1: about. way to describe the movie Like, I'm not one to delve out On facts about films But I feel like with a film like this Where it is so ingrained in history And the way that it tells a story And the way that it goes around things It's very interesting I if, I, if I had to give a score I'd probably say it's about 9, 9.5 out of 10 i feel like that's the best way to chalk it up because i have like i said there is pacing issues with me and like i feel like sometimes that i love the film and even i can find some things a little boring
0: yeah i, I really enjoyed watching this it's one it's one silent movie off my list i think the next one for me is going to wind up being like metropolis and metropolis is going to be a tough watch
1: one of my favorites so. is hunchback
0: with Mon i want to watch that one too sure but well, like um uh, tropos we were talking about run times but is like two and a half hours so yeah it's gonna be a tough one well
1: thank you for joining us today thanks for enjoying our discussion for nosferatu a bunch of the creepy imagery a bunch of the kooky characters and a bunch of the fun we had discussing it and if you like this jump into our next episode where we'll be talking about one of our favorite films this one gonna be mike's and we'll see how much fun we can have with that one so thanks again for joining us and i'll catch you later bye bye